looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Now, there's two times the Lord has promised to come to earth. One, as a baby in a manger to fulfill the messianic promises of the Old Testament. That is Christmas. But there's another promise that Jesus said he would come back. He would come back in the same way as he left, and he would establish justice on earth. There will be a time that God will establish not only a spiritual kingdom, but also a physical kingdom. See, that's the thing about the kingdom of God. It is, yet it is still to come. It's here in our hearts. We belong to the spiritual kingdom of God. But someday, Jesus will come and rule and reign. And for a thousand years, Satan will be bound, and the Lord will rule over this earth. So we have this anticipation of the advent the coming of the Lord, maybe into our life, maybe into your confusion, into your pain, into your grief. You have the anticipation that the Lord is going to meet you there, but we also have that anticipation of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first coming of the Lord was prophesied. I told you last week there were 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of the Lord. I took a lot of ribbing this morning, particularly before the 9 o'clock service, people saying, 10 points? you got to be kidding. You've got 10 points to your sermon? And I thought, well, there's 300 prophecies. There could have been 300 points. Could have been worse. Uh, we've got 10 points this morning. And as you can see on the outline, there's an Old Testament prophecy, and then there's a New Testament fulfillment. We're not going to take time to read every single verse. Uh, they are on version. If you want to go to version on your phone or your smart uh, tablet, and you'll be able to, to see all those verses. But we want to talk about how the Lord fulfills not just the person of the Messiah. We talked about that last, last week. The person of the Messiah. Today we want to talk about the practices of the Messiah, the practices. You see, the, uh, the Jews and many of the Gentiles anticipated the coming of the Messiah throughout all of history. And in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament, the prophecies provided some general clues, but then as they got closer to the time, there were some specific clues that answered those basic questions we all have, like, who? Who's going to be the Messiah? What? Why? How? When? And where? They became general, then they became more specific. And as we learned last week, the person of the Messiah was going to be fully God, yet he was going to be fully man. And we saw that in the prophecies of the Old Testament. Those prophecies unfolded really kind of throughout history, and we saw that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies because Jesus was completely, totally human. He was all man, yet at the same time, he was completely 100% divine. He was all God. So we've got God and humanity coming together in that beautiful title, Emmanuel. He is God with us. That's what happened. We just sang about it. The promises of the Father fulfilled in flesh appearing. 
The practices we're going to talk about today are listed on your program, but I want you to understand that these are things that God didn't just promise to those who lived in the New Testament. They are practices of the Messiah that are offered to you and I today. If you need a teacher of truth, you'll find that teacher of truth in Jesus. If you need a good shepherd, you'll find that good shepherd in Jesus. If you need a savior, if you need a redeemer, if you need a deliverer from addictive behaviors, if you need a great physician for healing for your body, all of these practices are available to us today if we will just embrace the person of Jesus Christ. So today we want to look at specifically the practices or what will the Messiah do? What difference is the Messiah going to make in our life? The first messianic prophecy is found in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and that it is the Messiah will be God's anointed prophet. And notice it's not just anointed prophet. There's been a lot of anointed prophets throughout the century. This is God's anointed prophet. God's only begotten son. Now what is a prophet? A prophet is authorized to speak to man on behalf of God. So a prophet foretells and he also tells forth. Now in the Pentecostal world that we're involved with and part of, we talk about the gift of prophecy as one of the spiritual gifts. But I want you to understand, anytime you proclaim God's word, you are actually prophesying. If you say to your neighbor, God loves you, God will never leave you, God is there for you, you are actually being used as a prophet to prophesy because you are speaking to that person on God's behalf based upon the word of God. That's important for us to remember. Now, messianically, Back in the Old Testament, we read in Deuteronomy 18, God will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen, that would be the Jews, like you, Moses, and I will put my words, God speaking here, I'll put my words in his mouth, he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name. I myself will require it of him. That was fulfilled. We know that. Peter, remember when Peter stood up in Acts chapter 3? And he referred to this very prophecy in Deuteronomy as he was calling the people to repentance. In John chapter 6, verse 14, this prophecy is fulfilled. It says, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he, Jesus, had performed... They said this, quote, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. They recognized that the practice of being God's anointed prophet had been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 7, it says, Fear gripped all the people. They began to glorify God, and they began to say, A great prophet has risen among us, God has visited his people. If you need to hear from God today, Jesus is still here to speak truth to you. Now, in this era, we hear God primarily in two ways. 
through his word first and foremost. Now we know that we hear God's word on the radio, on television, through preachers, through teachers, through our spouse, through others in the body. But all those things that we hear must be compared and measured to the Word of God. It has to align up to the Word of God. Primarily, this is the way God talks to you and I this morning. That's why we need to be in the Word. That's not why I'm afraid to have 20 verses of reference to this message this morning. I hope you've received one of our quarterly devotionals called God's Word for You Today. It's... uh, at any of the entrances when you come in or it's at the Welcome Center. It's free of charge. It's our way of giving to you a tool so that you will be in God's Word every day because it's primarily the Word. It's also the voice of the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit has been given to teach us, to guide us into truth. Jesus is the Messiah in the fact that He is God's anointed prophet. He's also God's high priest. Sometimes you need an advocate. You need a high priest. The Bible says we don't have to go through a human priest anymore because Jesus is our priest. A priest speaks on behalf of men to God. A priest intercedes to God for men. I'm glad that I have prayer partners that pray for me, but I am most happy that I have a Savior Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who the Bible says sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for me. Man, when I'm praying, God is asking the Father to hear my heart. That's what a priest does. And that's what God does through, or that's what Jesus does. He is our high priest to God. God appointed a priest from the tribe of Levi back in the Old Testament. But he appointed Jesus a little differently. The Bible says he is a priest under a different order, which is the eternal priesthood of Melchizedek. Because, see, you know when the Levites began, there was a beginning, there was an end to their ministry. But in the order of Melchizedek, who has always been, he represents Jesus. He is the eternal priest. And in Christ, in Jesus Christ, We have a priest who sits on the throne, as was prophesied. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12 says, Then say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple or the priesthood of the Lord. Psalm 110 says, The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In Hebrews, we see this fulfilled. Hebrews 2 talks about that he had to be made like his brethren in all things. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, Christ did not glorify himself as to become a high priest, but he said to him, You are my son. Today, God I've forgotten you. I've begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are that priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. If you need someone to intercede for you today, if you feel like you need an advocate with God the Father, man, there's a lot of people here who will pray for you. 
But the high priest that you need is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the anointed prophet of God. Jesus is the high priest. And Jesus is, number three, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, we use that term in the church kind of loosely, and we really, it's almost cliche-ish. Oh, he's the king of king and lord of lords. Well, what does that really mean? Well, a king rules over the affairs of men. If you have asked Christ into your heart, you're part of the family of God. You've been birthed into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is your king. But Jesus has not become the king of the earth yet. That's where that the kingdom of God is and is yet to come comes into play talking about the second coming. Someday Jesus will come and rule and reign. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Matthew records the visit, as you know, of the Gentile astronomers. We call them magi or wise men. They followed the star to the residence of Joseph and Mary. Didn't happen immediately. In our nativity uh, sets and programs and plays, we generally put the wise men in there with the shepherds. But actually, it happened after Jesus had been born. At some point later, these wise men, these astronomers who, who looked at the stars and were guided by a star, came to Bethlehem. And in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod, the Magi, or the wise men, from the east arrived, saying, Where is he who has been born of the king of the Jews? The king of the Jews. He is the king of kings. For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. That was prophesied not only once, not only twice, but as I understand it, three times in the Old Testament was that prophesied. The royalty and the authority of Jesus as king is demonstrated all throughout his earthly ministry. Matthew 27, remember Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him. And he said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. Jesus confirmed that he was the king of kings. He actually demonstrated this part of the practice of the messianic prophecies of the Messiah. The question we have to grapple with today is, is he your king? Is he my king? See, the ultimate fulfillment of his rule is yet to be realized. But if you invite Jesus into your heart today, he can be the king of your life. He can be the ruler of your life. See, God highly exalted Jesus 
bestowed on him. That name that's above every other name. The Bible says every knee will bow. Those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You'll either do it now or you'll do it later. I mean, that's the biblical truth. Everyone is going to face Jesus. You'll either face him now as your Savior, as your King, or ultimately, at the end of this life, you will face him as your judge. The fourth thing I want to point out today is the Messiah is the teacher of truth. Psalm chapter 40, verses 7 and 10, Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is written in my heart. I proclaim glad tidings of righteousness to this great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord. You know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. Jesus was that teacher of truth. If you look at the three years of Jesus' public ministry, he did a lot of miracles. But the fact is, the bulk of Jesus' ministry was teaching and preaching. He proclaimed the Word of God. He proclaimed the truth. I mean, that's just the fact. He placed a greater emphasis on teaching truth Then he did healing the sick, even though that is another practice of the Messiah. But he taught every place he went. A good fulfillment of that is found in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It says, soon afterwards he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. And that's what you and I are called to now. It's to continue to preach and proclaim the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's teaching today. The question is, are we listening? The Holy Spirit wants to teach us truth through the words of Jesus, through the life of Jesus. But are we listening? It's not a matter of whether or not he's speaking. God is always speaking. If I'm not hearing from God, then something is wrong with my spiritual ears. It's like we all know there's radio frequencies in this auditorium today. See, there goes KPQ right there. Yeah. You don't hear it because you don't have your radio tuned into that frequency. That's why... People can come to church and they can feel the presence of the Lord and they can be touched and refreshed and they can leave out the same door that other people leave saying, boy, that was kind of a boring service. Didn't feel anything. What's the difference? It's not the presence of God. It's whether or not we are open to what God is doing in our life. Are we listening? Are we obeying what he's commanded? The fifth practice of the Messiah, according to the Old Testament, is one that most of us are familiar with, and that is, it was fulfilled in Jesus to be the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Like a shepherd, Isaiah 40 says, he will tend his flock. 
In his arms, he'll gather the lambs and carry them to his bosom. We've all heard the 23rd Psalm. We all realize that really Jesus did fulfill this practice of the Messiah. The Old Testament prophecy is found in Zechariah chapter 11. It says, For behold, I'm going to raise up a shepherd in the land. <laughs> Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10 is a wonderful chapter that really enhances this symbolism. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own. He knows you. Just like Pastor JT said, he even knows your needs and requests before you utter them. Even as the Father knows me, Jesus said, and I know the Father, I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus was that shepherd. He still is. He cares for you. He cares for the perishing. He cares for the hurting. He cares for those who are scattered. He cares for us in our brokenness. He will strengthen us. And you know something? Jesus will continue to be our shepherd through all of eternity. He's not just our shepherd while we're here on this earth. He'll always be our shepherd. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5 says, When the chief shepherd, who is Jesus, appears, you will receive your unfading crown of glory. It's the shepherd that will give us that. Revelation talks about the shepherd being in the center of the throne room. It says they will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will their sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Praise the Lord. He was prophesied to be our good shepherd he is our good shepherd today in 2019, and he will continue to be our good shepherd in all of eternity. We need to follow him. Another prophecy in the Old Testament is that the Messiah would be the great physician. The great physician. It's one of the fundamental truths of our church. We believe in divine healing for our bodies. In Isaiah chapter 53, a prophecy that Perhaps you've heard, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our well-being fell upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. That is a spiritual truth. It might not be your physical reality today, but it is a spiritual truth. By his stripes we have been healed. In Matthew 11, when John, John the Baptist, was thrown in jail, and, uh, and he heard about Jesus and all the works of the Christ, and so he sent some of his disciples to check it out. And he said, are you the expected one? Are you the Messiah, or should we, you know, look for somebody else? And Jesus said to John's disciples, you go back, and you report to John what you've heard. 
And notice, in Matthew chapter 11, the first evidence that Jesus gives is, the blind has received sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and then the poor have the gospel preached to them. Just opposite of being a preacher of truth with a secondary healing ministry, here Jesus says to John, I have come as the great physician. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. When evening come, came, they brought to many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were ill. He's our healer. Maybe you're here today and you have a physical need. Maybe it's migraine headaches. Maybe it's a, a, a back problem. Maybe it's diabetes. Whatever your need is, I encourage you to embrace the Messiah in Jesus Christ. He's not only God's prophet. He's not only your high priest, your king of kings. He's not only the teacher of truth. He's not only the good shepherd. He is the great physician for all of us. Another one of the practices that the Old Testament said the Messiah will do is that he will deliver us. He is our deliverer. Hallelujah. He's our deliverer, first of all, from sin, but also from Satan, from addictions, from things that have us bound. Isaiah chapter 61, we read this last week because Jesus walked into the synagogue one day and took a scroll and actually read this verse out of the Old Testament, Isaiah 61, that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. That means freedom. He's going to deliver them. Jesus wants to deliver us. Maybe it's from worry. Maybe it's from something more physical. doesn't matter if it's emotional, if it's intellectual, if it's physical. Jesus is our healer. He's been sent to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight of the blind, to set free all of those who are oppressed. You can know Christ. You can be secure in your salvation and still be oppressed by Satan. Man, there's Christians who are oppressed by fear. They're oppressed by jealousy. They're oppressed by pride. So this idea of Jesus being our deliverer goes far beyond the typical addictions that we think. And it was fulfilled in Jesus. We know John 8 says, if the Son sets you free, hallelujah, you are free indeed. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's why Jesus came. The Son of God appeared for that purpose, according to 1 John, to destroy the works of the devil. Man, there is victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. Number eight. The Messiah has come to be our Redeemer and our Savior. 
Isaiah 53 prophesies that about the Messiah. The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result, the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge of the righteous one. Man, from the very beginning, the saving ministry of Jesus Christ was very evident. He came so that he could go to the cross. He lived a perfect life for three years. Well, he lived a perfect life for 33 years. But during the three years that he taught, that was his emphasis. That because of his perfection, he could go to the cross. He could pay the price for our sins. Matthew says, she, meaning Mary, will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. First and primary reason the Messiah came is as our Redeemer, is as our Savior. Matthew, or Mark says he didn't come to, to be served, but he came to give his life a ransom for many. Read in 1 Peter the fulfillment that says you were not redeemed by perishable things. <laughs> you know, someone didn't come and redeem you by silver or by gold. The Bible says it was with the precious blood of a lamb, unblemished and spotless by the blood of Jesus. He fulfilled that prophecy that he would redeem us, that he would be our Savior. And he's here today, friends, to forgive us of our sins. He's here to fill us with his Holy Spirit. So I'm saying you don't have to wait till the second coming to receive the benefits and the gifts of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's here today. He is the Lamb of God. See, the Old Testament sacrificial system was that people sinned, and at the end of the year, they found a lamb that was without spot or blemish. And the priest would come and would put his hands on the lamb and would transfer the sins of the people onto the lamb. And then they would kill the lamb. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And that's how that Old Testament system worked. Isaiah chapter 53 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth because he was the Lamb of God. Back to John the Baptist for a moment. Remember the first time that he saw Jesus walking toward him? Found in John chapter 1, what did he say? He said, oh, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He could have used any of these ten practices of the Messiah. He could have said, look, it's the King of Kings. Look, it's the Good Shepherd. Look, it's God's anointed prophet. But he knew the reason God had come through Jesus. And that was to save us from our sins. 
to sacrifice his life. And if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that today. He is the Lamb. Revelation 5. Even when we're all together in heaven, we're going to be recognizing him as a Lamb. The Bible says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard saying this, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's Jesus, friends. He's the Lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Finally this morning, one last practice that was prophesied of the Messiah that we see in the life of Jesus Christ in the New Testament but is also available to us today is he wants to give us peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Remember in Isaiah, says a child will be born unto us, a son will be given, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. It was prophesied in Micah, Micah chapter 5. He will arise and the shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord. He'll remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth and this one will be our peace. Micah 5, this one will be our peace. This one, meaning the Messiah, the Messiah has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself stood in John chapter 14 and said, Peace I leave with you. He not only wants to give us salvation, he wants to give us peace. And then he says it's not peace like the world gives you. We tend to think peace is absence of conflict. But as long as we live on this earth, we're going to have conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is that confidence in the midst of conflict of knowing that Jesus can be trusted, that he's working all things together for your good. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Receive the gift of peace. Ephesians chapter 2 says, for he himself is our peace. It's not that Jesus wants to give you peace. Jesus is your peace. You need to embrace him this morning. He promises to be your peace in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty if you'll just come to him. Now, someday he will bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That's the second coming. That's the millennial. And that's what Isaiah chapter 11 talks about. And I want to end this morning with my text. I usually start with the text, but I want to end with the text today. Isaiah 11, 1 to 10. I want you to understand that all these benefits I've talked about are available to you today through Jesus. But there is coming a time, the second coming of the Lord, where he will establish rule and reign. That's what Isaiah is talking about here, where there will be peace on earth. Isaiah says, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding and spirit of counsel and of might and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. 
And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. And the cow will feed with the bear. And their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand upon the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, for his resting place will be glorious. As I hope you understand from this teaching this morning. Jesus was more than a man. Jesus was the bodily fulfillment of the Messiah of the Old Testament. We talked about the person last week. Today I hope you've seen that there's at least 10 practices that were prophesied in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the New Testament in the life of Jesus. But more importantly, friends, what I really want you to capture today is Jesus is here through his Spirit to give to you every gift that we've talked about this morning. I want to review them. God speaks through Jesus as an anointed prophet. Jesus wants to intercede for you as your advocate, as your big brother, as your high priest. He wants to rule in your life as the king. He wants to teach you truth, and the truth will set you free. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to carry you through those difficult times. He wants to find you if you're lost. He wants to protect you from those who would destroy you. He's a good shepherd. He's a great physician. If you have a physical need today, believe that Jesus will touch and heal you. If you need deliverance today, maybe you need redeemed. That means to be bought back. Jesus did that by going to the cross. He'll buy you back. He's offered his life as the Lamb of God, and he'll give you peace. Whatever you're going through today, I want you to know that Jesus will give you peace as you embrace him. As Jesus came to us, as the Old Testament promised, I just urge you today to come to Jesus. Let's pray.